But destiny is on this church. And destiny is on this meeting. And I believe the church can change lives. And I believe that messages can change lives. Therefore, I am 100% in favor of these kind of meetings. To come and to make ourselves available to the Holy Ghost and, and to the ministry of the Word of the Lord so that God could speak to us and direct us. I feel, feel very humbled at this moment. I appreciate the kind remarks and the accolades of our friends I honestly never intended to be in this position <laughs> I uh, never thought that I would be so favored of the Lord to have such marvelous opportunities and challenges um, I've always just been glad to be there and glad to be called to preach and glad to know God. And then I find myself shoved out and everybody looking. And I feel like maybe the choir ought to sing one more song. But it's time for preaching. Some men view those who have been privileged to preach at a conference or two as though they are something unique, something superhuman, something that's not a common commodity in the church. I have no answer for all that God has privileged us with, but I simply say that we're here by invitation and that, that's it. The only reason I'm preaching tonight and you're not because I was asked and you wasn't. <laughs> that doesn't mean I'm a better preacher than you are. <laughs> I appreciate what God is doing. If you will really tune into the Spirit, you'll find the day of superstars and Pentecost is past. God's going to raise up men that nobody knows and use them everywhere and bring revival to this spiritually depraved nation. And it's happening right <laughs> Praise God. Why don't you clap your hands to the Lord one more time here tonight? Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Blessed be the name of Almighty God. Thank you, Brother Howard. 
and those responsible for the privilege of being a part of this meeting, I have thoroughly been blessed of God, challenged by God. The preaching has been superb, the anointing has been rich, and my life has been changed. And I'm just so thrilled to have been here. The hospitality has been second to none. Tremendous kindness that has been shown to us, and I want to say thank you for all that you have done. It's been a joy to be with you. My prayers shall be for the continued move of the Spirit in the state of Oklahoma and this entire region. Amen. I pray for the preachers who have spoken to us in such dynamic tones. God has used every one of them mightily, and I thank the Lord for it. I'd like to, by the leading of the Spirit, conclude this meeting with a challenge. We have been put on our face. We have been made to repent by the Holy Ghost. We've inspected ourselves. We have examined ourselves. I personally feel the greatest need in the church of the living God, as far as the ministry is concerned, and even the laity, is a challenge from the Spirit. We need a challenge from the Holy Ghost. And somebody needs to accept that challenge. And so I want to extend through the word of the Lord tonight a challenge. Would you please turn to Genesis chapter number 29. And reading beginning with verse number 15. Genesis chapter 29 and verse 15. And Laban said unto Jacob, Because thou art my brother, shouldest thou therefore serve me for naught? Tell me what shall thy wages be? Not a bad guy to work for. Not many of you have bosses who say, tell me what you want to make. Tell me what shall thy wages be? And Laban had two daughters. The name of the elder was Leah and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah was tender-eyed, but Rachel was beautiful and well-favored. And Jacob loved Rachel. Would you repeat after me? Jacob loved Rachel. And said, I will serve thee seven years for Rachel, thy younger daughter. And Laban said, it is better that I give her to thee than that I should give her to another man. In other words, it's inevitable. <laughs> Brother Keys and I are companions in tribulation. We both have given wonderful ladies to undeserving men. 
I'm sorry, my brother, nothing personal. But Brother Keyes is yet to meet the match for his daughter. You're doing a good job, I'm sure. Stay with it. Laban said, it's going to happen. I know it's going to happen. It might as well be you. If someone is going to have Rachel, it might as well be you. Abide with me, and Jacob served seven years for Rachel. We're getting mushy now. And they seemed unto him but a few days for the love he had to her. And Jacob said unto Laban, Give me my wife, for my days are fulfilled, that I may go in unto her. And Laban gathered together all the men of the place and made a feast. And it came to pass in the evening that he took Leah his daughter and brought her to him, and he went in unto her. And Laban gave unto his daughter Leah Zippah his maid for a handmaid. And it came to pass that in the morning, behold, it was Leah. And he said to Laban, What is this that thou hast done unto me? Did not I serve with thee for Rachel, wherefore then hast thou beguiled me? And Laban said, It must not be so done in our country to give the younger before the firstborn. Fulfill her week, and we will give thee this also for the service which thou shalt serve with me yet seven other years. And Jacob did so and fulfilled her week, and he gave him Rachel his daughter to wife also. And Laban gave to Rachel his daughter Billah his handmaid to her maid. And he went in also unto Rachel. And he loved also Rachel more than Leah and served with him yet seven other years. I am particularly captivated tonight by the fact the Bible simply repetitively said Jacob loved Rachel. Jacob loved Rachel. And so I'm preaching to all of us. Don't live with Leah if you love Rachel. Don't live with Leah if you love Rachel. Turn around to two or three folks, put your Bibles down and tell them, don't live with Leah. If you love Rachel, God bless you, you may be seated. Our setting of text tonight is taken from some of the female race's favorite portions of the Bible. The Bible is a wonderful book. It has all kinds of literary forms in it. If you like love stories, you ought to love the Bible. It is the greatest love book ever written. 
When you get to that portion where the Bible says that Jacob loved Rachel, he was so gallant and brilliant in his commitment to her. It's a story of romance, a story of sacrifice, and a story of love. How that to him, to have Rachel, whatever it cost, was very insignificant. It didn't mean anything to him. Whatever he had to do to have her, that was fine. It was no big sacrifice. Meant absolutely nothing to him. Seven years or 14 years, it doesn't really matter. I love Rachel. I want to preach to you tonight that our experience with God, our experience with the ministry, our experience with the pastorate, our experience and relationship with people should be that of a continuing, ongoing love story. An ongoing, continual love story. As a matter of fact, Jesus Christ would not give Simon Peter the privilege of feeding his sheep until Simon had proven, I love you. God doesn't want anybody handling his sheep that don't love. God doesn't want anybody feeding his flock that doesn't do it in love. I say when we pay our tithes, we ought to love it. When we come to church, we ought to love it. When we live a holy, we ought to love it. When we separate ourselves from the world, we ought to love it. This is not a legalistic church. It's a church that is in love. You need to love Pentecost. You need to love the power of God. You need to love the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. And whatever I've got to do to live for God, it's a small thing because I love Him. Let's clap our hands to the Lord right now. Clap the hands of Jesus right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Turn around to somebody and say, I don't know if I've ever sacrificed or not. I don't know if I've ever sacrificed for God or not. Because everything I've ever done, I've loved it. I loved it when I lived beside my church in a 22-foot travel trailer. I loved it when I only had two men in my church and I was living by faith and didn't know where my next meal was coming from. But I loved it. I loved it then and I love it now. And the only way you're going to be effective is to fall in love with God. Somebody shout praise the Lord. Turn around to somebody beside you saying, I love you too. Hey, I love God, but I love saints. I love saints, 
I love God. But I love my brothers. And I love my sisters. And by this shall all men know that you are my disciples. God baptized us with love. I was at a general conference several years ago when a man that I don't take lightly walked up to me, a prophet of God. And in a passing conversation, I said to him, the hardest thing I've ever done in my life and the darkest day of my life is the day that I drove my daughter from Raleigh, North Carolina to Jackson Bible College. I've had a very sheltered life from calamity and catastrophe. God has been so good to us. That was the saddest day of my life. I won't take much time to tell you about it. I could talk all night about that. But I remember when I went upstairs and grabbed her clothes and started carrying them down to the car. And I smelt her perfume on those dresses. And soon there was more than perfume on them. There was daddy's tears on them. And I cried all the way from Raleigh to Jackson. I went in to, to buy some gas about two blocks from my house. And I know the attendant there thought I was really having a problem. Because when I went in to pay for the gas, the tears were running down on my shirt. I couldn't stop them. I just walked in crying like a baby and paid for my gas. And tears just streaming. I honestly could not stop them. Cried all the way there, most of the way back. I was telling him that was a dark day in my life, and the gentleman said, Oh, that's not the darkest day in your life. He said, the darkest day in your life will be the day that you leave Raleigh. And when he said that, it was like somebody hit me in the head with a sledgehammer. And I said, you sit down right here and tell me what you're talking about. The blood just drained from my body. My wife and I both began to cry. He ruined our conference. He said, oh, don't worry about it. I'm not talking about next week or next month. He said, but maybe somewhere in the future. His wife said, you shouldn't have said that to him. You, you shouldn't have done that. And I said, that's right. You shouldn't have done that. I said, now you tell me what you're talking about, buddy. We're not leaving here. We get this straight. What are you saying to me? Because my heart is in Raleigh, North Carolina. I love that place. I've never even thought about leaving there. It's never crossed my mind that I possibly could go somewhere else. It's never even entered my brain that I might not be buried there or go in the rapture from there. I just always assumed that's the way it was going to be. 
it got to eating on me so bad. So I was ready to go home and pack up and leave. If I'm leaving, I said, let's go. If I'm through, I'm through. I couldn't hardly pray. I couldn't hardly preach. I, I, I didn't, I, man, it was killing me. It got to worrying me so bad until something very rare happened to me. And that is I had a spiritual dream. I am not a dreamer. I am a snorer, not a dreamer. <laughs> I had a dream because it was driving me crazy. I had to have some help. And in my dream, someone walked up to me and said, your marriage with Patsy is terminated. In my dream, someone came up, and it was like they had a piece of paper, a legal document that said, your, your marriage is now over, the time clock is up, you can't be married to her any longer. And they brought this other woman up, someone I'd never seen before. And they said, this is your new wife. said, I don't want her. I don't even know her. Who is this? Don't ask me to be married to somebody I don't even know. I don't love her. I don't want her. I want Patsy. I love Patsy. Too bad she's not here. She'd like this preaching tonight. <laughs> I said, I don't want her. I love Patsy. Patsy's the one I love. And then God came into the dream. And God said, neither would I ask you to leave what you love. He said, as long as you will love this people and love this church, I'll never ask you to leave. Buddy, next service. Brother, your pastor loves you. <laughs> next time I went to church, there wasn't a devil in that house. I was shaking hands and rubbing backs and smiling at everybody. I love y'all. If we're going to have apostolic revival, We've got to love God, love the church, love the city where we're called. Don't expect to have apostolic revival running down your church. Don't expect to have apostolic revival running down your saints. Don't expect to have apostolic revival running down your city if you'll fall in love with your city and fall in love with your people and fall in love with your God. You can have revival. Somebody here needs to love Oklahoma. Somebody needs to love Texas. 
Somebody needs to love Missouri. Somebody needs to love Louisiana. Somebody needs to love Arizona. Somebody needs to love Arkansas. Can I get a little help out there? Somebody needs to love Florida. If we'll fall in love, we can have what we want. Maybe seated. I don't know how it happened. I don't know if it was the color of her hair, the twinkle in her eye, the femininity in her step, or her evening in Paris. Something got a hold of Jacob. I'm not so far removed from the childhood days of my daughter that I don't remember about Bambi and the animal kingdom. In that little book, what happened to Jacob they would have called. Some of the kids here could probably tell you. They call that Twitter painting. <laughs> Jacob got Twitter painted. I mean, he just started floating around. He got up on his tiptoes, you know, and everything was wonderful. Everything was beautiful. Like the songwriter said, Every day is a beautiful day when you're in love. He was floating around. Kind of dizzy. Birds were chirping. Chemistry was flowing. Heart music was in his ear. And the little guy with the bow and arrow was rejoicing over a direct hit. Because Jacob was in love. Jacob was in love. And Jacob loved Rachel. I'm not going to preach tonight about two women. I'm going to preach in typology and metaphorically. Rachel shall represent the ultimate spiritual experience. Rachel is the epitome, the zenith, the utopia, and the apex of all that is sought after. All that is selected. All that is chosen. Our greatest choice. Rachel is the pursued dream. Rachel is the desired vision. Rachel is our ultimate goal and our greatest hope. Leah is religion. Rachel is revival. Leah is survival.
Rachel is revival. Church, our goal in 1994 is not survival. Our ambition is not to survive. Our goal is revival. Our goal is not just to keep our doors open. Our goal, our goal is not just to keep our rent paid. Our goal is to reach our city. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but something happened to me. You may be seated. Some while back, I fell in love with Rachel. And ever since then, I've just been floating around. Ever since then, I've just been walking on clouds, expecting miracles, expecting the supernatural. Rachel is the ultimate. Leah is the undesirable. Leah is the unwanted. Leah is the unloved. Leah is the one that was shoved on him. Leah is the one that was... What's the proper word? Just let me use this word. Sneaked into his tent. My message tonight is going to be centered and focused around our supreme choice. Will we live with Leah, the less, or Rachel, the first love? Because Laban said to Jacob, Tell me what thy wages shall be. You name your payday. I want to preach to you preachers tonight. You can name your payday in the Holy Ghost. You will pastor ultimately the church you want. You will pastor ultimately the church you want. And that church will have as many as you want in it. And that church will have the time you want in it. And that church will ultimately be what you want it to be unless you love Rachel and live with Leah. Woo! I believe every one of you came to Ark because at some point in your life you fell in love with Rachel. She put something on you. She had your eyes bugging and your heart pumping because you fell in love with something wonderful. But my challenge is don't live with Leah if you love Rachel. Hey, I can't live with weakness. I love power. I can't live with defeat. I love victory. I can't live with ceremony. I love the move of God. I can't live with smoke. I love the fire. I can't live with dryness. I like the rain of the Spirit. I can't live with compromise. 
I love truth and holiness. And if you love it, don't live with Leah. been able to understand fully how it happened. The Bible said in the evening time, while Jacob was partying, he must have partied pretty hardy. Because when he thought he had Rachel, he had Leah. In the evening, while it was in that twilight period of darkness, Laban slipped in there and pulled a smooth switch on him and got Rachel out and put Leah in. I'm wondering if that's not been the case in a lot of lives and a lot of ministries. We've been enjoying the evening time festivities of the flesh and the darkness of deception and the intoxication of living in this materialistic get and gain greedy world to such a position that we haven't even looked to see who do I have. But something happened that I feel is happening in Ark 94. The sun came up. And when the sun came up, Jacob awoke to the, to the fact and to find out he was being cheated, shortchanged, and gypped. This is not what I want, and this is not what I love. Instead of Rachel, he had spent the night with Leah. But when the sun came up, he got a revelation. I've been walking with what I don't want. I've been living with what I don't want. I've been having fellowship with what I never loved. I've been holding hands with something that never has made my heart beat fast. Well, hallelujah. But during the preaching of this conference, the sun has come up. And some of us have been made to realize what you've got now is not what you originally loved. Don't live with Leah if you love Rachel. 
Hallelujah. Now here's where it gets a little sticky and more so. Jacob stood with that revelation in a moment of turbulent testing and temptation. When the light shone on him and he realized this is not Rachel. This is Leah. He had to come to grips with what he was going to do. If anything. She's not what I love. But can I live with her? And there's only one reason this would cross his mind. And that was for the sake of embarrassment, disturbance, and family confusion. If I deal with this thing, I'm going to upset the tent. There's going to be some folks getting mad at me. But they can get mad if they want to. I don't love Leah. I love Rachel. Pastor, if you got to upset the apple cart to have an apostolic revival, let's turn it upside down. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody said it's too much trouble. I beg to differ with you. I can't live with what I don't love. I can't live with dead churches. I can't live with carnal saints. I can't live with a non-productive church. I don't love Leah. I love Rachel. Turn around to somebody and say, Don't live with Leah if you love Rachel. Come on, don't sell cars if God calls you to preach. Don't sell real estate if God calls you to evangelize. Don't be a good assistant pastor if God calls you to go somewhere and build a church. Don't sit on a Pentecostal pew with a license in your pocket if God's called you to be a missionary. If you love Rachel, don't live with Leah. Somebody shout hallelujah. Leah is cheaper. But Rachel's worth the price. <laughs> hallelujah. Somebody shout hallelujah. Somebody said, oh, it's just too much trouble to have revival. 
you don't have revival and you're going to know what trouble is. I'd rather burp new converts. Settle down new converts. Instruct new converts. Tell them to quit talking in tongues so much as to referee all aggravated, irritated saints. You love Rachel. Don't live with Leah. Somebody needs to leave Ark 94 saying Leah's going out and Rachel's coming in. I can't live with Leah any longer. I love Rachel. refuse to live with Leah I love Rachel heard the story of a guy in Texas that had a cow and sold her. Headed back home, his buddies got to asking him, what'd you get rid of your cow for? Wouldn't she give milk? Oh, yeah, yeah. Plenty of milk. Well, what'd you get rid of her for? You didn't like her? Yeah, I liked her. Well, what'd you sell her for? He said, life is too short to live with a kicking cow. <laughs> and one morning he woke up and said, Betsy, I don't have to let you kick me. That's something I can do about it. And you are history. Because life is too short to live with a kicking cow. I want to tell you preachers, life is too short never to really have what you want in God. Life is too short to always be mumbling and grumbling and dropping. When you can go home from ark and do something about it. I'm telling you, you can change the church you pastor. The Holy Ghost can change that church. Preaching of the Word can change that place. If you refuse to live with Leah, you can't have Rachel. There are too many folks spiritually living with what they don't love. In Genesis chapter 29 and verse 27, 
I discovered something about apparently some type of law they had.
statutory traditional law that said even though you don't love her, you can't put her out for one week. He said, if you'll fulfill her week, then I'll give you Rachel for seven more years. Now, you talk about miserable. I heard about a guy one time, it must have been sort of in the same situation Jacob was in. They said every year when he took his vacation, his week vacation of work, he took his mother-in-law with him on vacation. And when he came back to work, all the fellows said, what in the world are you doing taking your mother-in-law with you on vacation when you don't get but one week a year? He said, that's the only way I know how to make a week feel like a month. Jacob felt like that week with Leah was a month. He had to grit his teeth, maybe hold his breath, and work a lot of overtime. Because I don't love you, and I don't want you, and I got a message for you. Seven days from now, honey, you're out of here. All of us from time to time have to spend a week with Leah. There's always a little period of time when the undesirable is with us. When the unwanted is shoved on us. But the key is, don't let that week become a way of life. Don't let that week become a way of life. Hey, I take a week of empty altars. Maybe a week of no miracle. Maybe a week of no growth. Maybe a week of low attendance. Maybe a week of no advancement. Maybe one week of no progress. Maybe no week of growth. But after that, Leah, you're out of here. I want Rachel. I can't live with Leah. I got to have Rachel. That's right. I hear the alarm clock going off. The week is over for somebody's leave. <laughs> the week is over for somebody's leave. I never intended to be here with you. I never thought I'd have to face something like you. I'm not going to get all into detail, but the Bible lets me know she wasn't no beauty queen. Y'all can imagine the rest. But here's what I want to bring to you at this point.
Jacob had another dangerous decision to make. And that was it. He could have lowered his quality of expectations and said, Leah is not Rachel. But she'll do. Was that you telling me about the little guy that was shooting his bow and arrow? I thought it might have been Brother Howard. Somebody recently told me this. I thought it was unique. Said he was out target practicing with his bow. If you didn't tell me, you'll like it. <laughs> he was shooting his bow at a wall. You saw him pull the arrow back. He let, he let the arrow fly. And the next caption, you would see him, wherever the arrow hit, he would draw a target around it. <laughs> wherever the arrow hit, he'd draw a target and put the bullseye right where his arrow was. With that kind of an attitude, you never miss. And the only people that are always at perfection, their perfection, is the mediocre. Now I'm going to meddle for just a minute and I'll go back to preaching. Don't hand me all this spiritual stuff you took your attendance number down because you know you were too spiritual to count how many were in church if that's the truth then why don't you get too spiritual to count the tithe and offering if you got a problem with counting I hope you have more money than you do people But the truth of the matter is, if we don't have a target, we don't know how we're doing. We don't know if we're close to it or way out of bounds. There's nothing to aim for, nothing to shoot for, nothing to motivate us, nothing to press us, nothing to put us on the spot. And there's none of us here that can live without some type of motivation. I say we need to get something on the wall like 500 soul revival. Something to go for. Something to reach to. Something to go after. It ain't carnal to say how many are going to have Easter. Lord have mercy I'm afraid too many of us just draw the target around where we are 
And here is the real, real heart of what I want to preach for the next few minutes. The next great danger that Jacob faced with Leah is the one I feel most concerned about tonight. And that is, Jacob could have deceived himself. And instead of facing reality, he could have pretended that Leah was Rachel. And that is what's happening in a lot of places tonight. They are pretending that Leah is Rachel. I have been in meetings where honest to the Lord I've sat on the platform and said, when the church wasn't looking, you know, oh God, help me to get the Holy Ghost, Jesus. Bless me, Lord. I'm backslid as I can be, oh God. Lord, I can't feel a thing. Jesus, please help me, Lord. I know I must have sinned somewhere. God, what have I done wrong, Lord? I'm backslid. I don't feel nothing, God. Help me. And then the host of the meeting comes to the pulpit and says, church, my God, we're having a time in here tonight. I feel something in this place. There's something moving in here. And I know good and well, that ain't Rachel. One person raises a hand and says, Hallelujah! And they act like it's old time apostolic Rachel when I know it ain't nothing but cross-eyed Leah and somebody's been living with her and decided I can't have Rachel so I'll just pretend that Leah is Rachel when my Bible says we're not to pretend but contend for the faith that was once delivered unto the saints. I'm not about to pretend I'm having revival. I'm contending for revival. I'm not about to pretend that I've got everything I want in God. I'm contending for it. See, just a minute. There are a lot of folks who are pretending and not contending because you go to their churches and it's filled with choir members 
who wear makeup and cut their hair and wear jewelry and have TVs in their home. Season tickets to the ball games. They'll tell you nothing's changed. All they're doing is pretending that Leah is Rachel when they know good and well that's not what they first loved. That's not what they first wanted. That's not what they first dreamed of. That's not the kind of church you used to say you wanted. We got a choice. We can be pretenders or we can be contenders. I believe Ark 94's got their mind made up. I can't live with Leah. I love Rachel. We need more than one or two shouting. We need more than one or two poking in tongues. We need more than one or two worshiping God. Come on. Let's don't live with Leah. If you love Rachel. Come on. Let's put Leah out tonight. Let's fall back in love with Rachel. Let's everybody stand. There's been some spiritual shysters moving through the church. Like the con artist who came to the emperor in the children's book and received great wages for an imaginary robe they were making the king that only the wise and the noble could see. And so the emperor had so much pride, conceit, and egotism that when they held up nothing, he said, wonderful. And all of his buddies, when he said, isn't this great? They said, that's beautiful. I've never seen anything like that. Never will again. 
Self-deception. Until they had the big parade. And a little kid that didn't know no better. Who wasn't scared of the king. Who didn't care what the king thought about him. No, he didn't have a political future. He just belted it right out. <laughs> he has nothing on. There ain't nothing here. I don't feel a thing. This ain't nothing. I don't mean to embarrass you, but I'm telling you what, somebody needs to come to the pulpit just like it's been done this week and refuse to love Leah and say it's Rachel we want. Everybody here hates compromise. Shout, I hate compromise. Come around somebody say, I hate compromise. But most of the time when you say that, you're relegating that to holiness standards. You're relegating that to doctrinal truth. But why don't you relegate that to vision and dream and revival and church attendance? Baptismal numbers. Holy Ghost fill people. If we won't compromise on holiness and we won't compromise on doctrine, let's don't compromise on revival. Let's don't compromise on dreams. If you want your church to run a hundred, don't accept if you want 500, don't accept 250. If you want 1,000, don't be satisfied with 500. I can't live with Leah. I love Rachel. I gotta have my dream. Woo! Lay your hand on somebody. Let's go back for the original dream. For your original burden, your original vision. If you want 50 to get the Holy Ghost in that revival, don't accept 25. Compromise. If you love Rachel, don't live with Leah. 
Set your wages. Set your wages. Set your wages. Name your reward. Tell God what you want. Tell Him the kind of church you want to pastor. Tell Him how many you want in Sunday school. Tell Him how many you want to get the Holy Ghost. Tell Him how many you want baptized. your hands and make that a prayer right now. I refuse to pretend. I'm going to contend. I'm going to keep saying it's mine. got to lift a hand and say thank you for what you've done God but this is not what I had in mind 
this is not what I saw that made my heart beat fast. This is not what I saw that put a twinkle in my eye ever how many years ago it was. This is not what made me float around with exhilaration. I love Rachel. I can't live with Leah. Would you bow your heads? Would you right now for a moment be honest? Are you pretending or are you contending? Are you where you thought you'd be at this time in your original dream? Are you willing to accept it? Or do you want to walk to an altar tonight and lift your hands and say, God, I want to touch one more time my original dream. I want to touch one more time my original vision. It's just right above your head tonight. And if you'll stretch, you can touch Rachel. You can embrace Rachel again. If you'll reach out. Is there anybody here tonight that feels like somewhere in the twilight zone somebody took my Rachel and slipped Aaliyah into my tent. But now the sun has come up and I see that's not what I fell in love with. And I'm not living with that. I love Rachel. This can be a moment of deliverance for somebody. If you'd walk down to this front right now and lift your hands and say, I'm not compromising anymore with my dream. I'm not compromising anymore with my vision. I'm not going to be satisfied with a mediocre service anymore. I'm not going to accept fruitless services. It's Rachel I love. And I'm not going to live with Leah.
I'm the preacher I want to be or I pastor the church I want to pastor. I'm not going to pretend we're having the revival I believe God wants us to have. I'm going to contend for it. I'm going to keep digging. I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep pushing. I'm going to hold on. I'm going to keep believing. 